All right, King of the Pod, Drew here. I'm back uh, reading missives from my vassals. I, I enjoy getting toasted by my vassals at my big feasts. Don't so much enjoy uh, these letters I'm getting from them. They're just begging for stuff. It's pretty pathetic. Oh, send some of your troops to defend me. Bandits are taking over my village. Wow, wow, wow. I'm sick of it. I'm putting this, these vassal letters down. Luckily, I've got another missive here. Another raven is from DraftKings. We kings love talking to each other. I gotta hear what DraftKings has to say. Oh boy, they're telling me basketball is back. I almost missed it. I was so busy with these uh, vassal letters. Oh, oh no, my daughter got stolen and taken away. Oh, my son got killed. Oh, enough. This distracted me from the real stuff. You know, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is back with the NBA season. Oh boy, that's pretty exciting. New customers can now make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Uh, maybe I should pass the sign of some of the vessels begging me for money. Just, just make some a $5 NBA Moneyline bet, guys. Come on. It does say here. Yeah, it says in my letter. Everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlay. All right, vessels. Everyone. That includes even you lowly uh, town folk, you lowly small folk. 100%, that means you're doubling your money. You're making 100% back. Do it today. Really, stepped up, same game parlay. The payouts are bigger than ever. I mean, that's where I'm going, certainly. I mean, what should I do here? Well, let's see what we got. Uh, opening game four. Let's take a look at uh, Sir Nam, Lord Nam of the Lemon Squeezers. Uh, let's see what it is with Brooklyn Nets are opening with. It looks like they're opening at home. That's that's nice in Brooklyn with the New Orleans Pellies. Wow, okay. Zion Williamson is gonna be back. Who knows about the, the Kyrie Durant show? I, I would assume that we'll play this one, but I mean, it's a few days away at this point. Anything could happen with those two. I don't know. I think I was gonna have. I think I would probably take the Nets money line on this one. So let me mark that down. Yeah, that's that's probably what I will do. What else? What else should I parlay? But I might do something like Nets with the over on this one. You know, early in the season. Probably gonna be sloppy a little bit. Um, maybe not the most defense being played. Yeah, I'm gonna mark that down. We'll see. You know, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll consult with uh, with Lord Nam. Well, this is fun. I love you know figuring out what I'm gonna do with my NBA bets on DraftKings. It's certainly a lot more entertaining than uh, hearing these pleas from the vassals. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BKRB. Make any five dollar bet this week and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins. That's only a DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code BKRB. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let me get my uh, maester in here. Copy these details. Uh, that's about a page of details. I've um, copied these about, uh, you know, three, 400 times. We'll roll those up, send them out on Ravens. Oh, well, King's work is never done. I guess I'll take a look at this other letter from the vassal. The crops failed to grow this year. I won't be able to pay taxes. Wait a minute. Uh, everyone got to pay their taxes out there to me, King of the Pod Drew. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you do one of those two things, you're halfway there. But if you do two of those things, you're all the way there. That's what you should do. If you do none of the things, we're going to have a problem. Thank you.
Noise Productions. Welcome back to Movies Are Relevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network. It's your boy Pod Boo back for a little spooky edition of Movies Are Relevant here. Boobies Are Relevant. Can I use the boo pun for my name and for the title of the show? That's pretty weak. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, E-nam. Scary-nam. I don't have a good one for you either. Help me out here. I'm drowning over here. You're the you're this horror movie guy. Uh, yeah. What it do, boo? Um, yeah. I got nothing. I'm drained of all my creativity by this nerve wracking horror. They did a ghost or ghoulie drain you of such creativity, or was it the general life itself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know me, <laughs> sucking it out of you. <laughs> well, we're back to. Uh, do our, our typical format we've been doing where we uh, talk about a new film. In this case, maybe a new-ish film. Came out a little while ago, maybe in the past couple of months. And pair that with a classic uh, that has something to do with it. In this case, we're going to talk Pearl, the uh, 2022 Thai West film. I imagine we'll probably talk X a bit as well. They're kind of a uh, pair of films that came out this year. And then I thought we should uh, talk about the 1970s slasher classic, The Hills Have Eyes. So that's uh, what, what we're going to do, but I'm sure we'll uh, talk about all type of horror films in between. We got, a, we got a whole gauntlet to run, yeah. We've got a whole brood of fucked up looking hill creatures <laughs> to unleash on the unsuspecting listener. Did that, that one come off all right? That's right. You're going to notice that one too? Well, I wasn't sure if you were you making a reference to one of the films we talked about in the past, *The Brood* by Dan, David Cronenberg. Uh, I unfortunately I do not have a legion of nondescript little gremlin creatures. Uh, I just have these two little cats. So that's true. I mean, I guess I would definitely probably rather run if I knew what I was getting into. At least I would rather run into the Cronenberg Brood versus the Hills of Eyes family, right? Well, yeah. As we discussed on that podcast, I would wash those kids in 12 seconds. You know, the, these, you know, atomic gremlins might, might fuck me up. Yeah. Well, the thing is with the, the brood ones, you don't see it coming if you're like the preschool teacher. They look like little kids, you know. But we, we would know going in. We would be, uh, uh, I don't know, Nick Falk kicking those things through the field goal. Is that the, that's the best kicker I thought of on off the top of my Justin head. Tucker is the best kicker if you're doing a football thing. He is the best kicker, yeah. We would be Justin Tucker kicking them things 60 yards. Whereas the Hills have eyes, I mean, I wouldn't really want to be messing with any of these. Maybe the mom that's kind of just chilling, not really doing much, can maybe take her. Most of the rest of them, I would not want to be tangling. I guess there was the, uh, the one brother who was kind of more mentally challenged, I guess. He could maybe get tricked. The more inbred of the trio, yeah. Yeah. 
I th- I feel like he the more mentally challenged one was the least uh, inbred looking one maybe. I yeah. guess it was dark, but the the least. <laughs> I guess the other brother is not. I'm trying to remember now. The dad is really scary looking, obviously, and then the one kind of main guy that's on like the DVD cover poster, etc. Is the real weird the bald guy? The mountain giant looking motherfucker. Yeah, he's the real weird looking. So I'd never watched this movie before. Um, really, I am a fan of slasher films. To reiterate stuff we talked about before, but growing up, I was not a fan of horror movies. I really only got into them in recent years. But we've talked about it before. Before the slasher versus like the more ghost spirit ones, I prefer the slasher ones. Even though I've been watching more of those, you know, all the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Halloween movies, all type of sla- random slashers, uh, giallos, the kind of Italian ones I've been getting into. But The Hills Have Eyes, I never watched until this year, October. But I did recognize the, ga- the you know, the bald guy I'm talking about on the cover. Yeah, unmistakable. Kind of the main antagonist, I guess. Well, Papa Jupe's the main antagonist. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. But, but that being said, I was kind of surprised that he is like, that guy I'm talking about, the bald guy, is pretty uh, articulate. Or whatever. He, does, he just sounds like a normal guy, right, when he's talking and everything. Right, right. So then he had a brother who I, I'm trying to remember what the brother looked like. Not the one I talked about, I mentioned before, that was that died quickly. But uh, I think the dog killed the, the one brother, right? Yeah. And then it was Beauty and the Beast, the dogs. The other brother was, was kind of leading things. It was more normal looking, or was he? I'm trying to remember. He looked a lot like Jupiter, the main, main guy. Okay. And so I had, when I rewatched this, kind of a problem telling which time which one of them was involved in the in, in whatever. Jupiter's got the big slash, the big prosthetic slashed out his nose. That's the dad, right? Yeah, that's the dad. To make him look like a fucking Cenobite or whatever. Just yeah. great character design. Wes Craven's fucking master. All of his collaborators pristine work but yeah the other guy looks like a really normal version of that and when they're just like gruffly grunting at each other plus they're the two most like coherent like schemers you know yeah the bo- what is the bog guy's name do we remember oh fuck um, he kind of goes along with what his dad and brother tell mercury they're all it's like mercury mars jupiter pluto pluto is the one with the offensive accent that gets knocked off the cliff uh by a dog by beast so, yeah, so this is a Wes Craven film you mentioned. Um, from Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown, by the way. And they do, I guess the family is supposed to be from Cleveland. They, like, make a brief mention of it. With uh, the dad, who's a retired, I guess, Cleveland cop, who's, he goes on, like, a racist tirade toward the beginning, I guess. He of. does. He does. Yeah. So you're like, all right, this guy definitely is going to get killed. But it was, I guess, yeah, I guess we're starting off with, with uh, the classic, this podcast, We'll mix both in, but because I do think Pearl has some, t- you could call some ties to this film, even if it's loosely. There are definitely some thematic similarities that we can discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, I guess, we'll start with The Hills Have Eyes, uh, the story of a suburban family stuck in the desert wasteland of New Mexico near the uh, nuclear bomb test sites. Yeah, uh, no, I believe it's Nevada. Nevada. Okay. It's, it's pronounced, by the way, Nevada, not Nevada, um, and I'm sticking to that no matter what anyone says, so... I think it's pronounced Nevada. Nevada. Right, 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 right. They're, in the, they're in the wasteland. So they go to this gas station at the start. Before they get there, the this gas station owner is like an old, crazy alcoholic guy, you know, muttering to himself. 
And then a girl comes. We'll later learn this girl's his granddaughter, I guess, but we don't know that at the time. Trying to get out of there. He's about to, like, leave, I guess, town or whatever. Town, quote-unquote. It's, like, in the middle of nowhere. The family comes in a big RV and everything. The guy tells them just they're supposed to be going to California, I guess, but they want to go to some silver mine or something. Some convoluted well, that, yeah. reason why they want to be out there. I get the impression that the silver mine is where Jupiter set up his clan, right? But they want the older married couple wants to go there because their wedding anniversary or something. Uh, the guy tries to... It's do, their silver wedding anniversary. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The uh, gas station owner guy tries to dissuade them, but they don't listen. And then obviously they get into trouble. And the dad, they talk about the, the racist uh, Cleveland cop dad, drives them off the road, basically. <laughs> trouble ensues from there. I was surprised. I mean, we'll get into full spoilers for this one, I guess. Like this movie's from 19, what, 77 or something. Yeah. Plus a remake that follows the exact same plot uh, from 2006. If you haven't seen this movie and, and, and you care about spoilers, we'll see you later. But also, that's on you. Yeah, I hadn't seen the remake either. I, I remember vaguely when it came out back in the 2000s. Was it like Jessica Biel in it or something like that? Shit, like, no. I. Or was that the Texas Chainsaw remake? I think Jessica Biel was in the 2004-2005 uh, Texas Chainsaw remake, yeah. Okay. And that's the thing. So, talking about Pearl, the, the film from 2022... I think that film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, kind of one of the original slashers, I guess, or, or horrors of this kind of genre. Pearl and X by Ty West definitely had themes from that, or they're definitely influenced strongly by that, I think. And then The Hills of Eyes by Wes Craven is kind of a direct... Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out a couple years before it. And I think what I read was Wes Craven did this film called Last House on the Left. Have you seen that? Yep. Yeah, so that's like that's a pretty fucked up movie. That was like one of his first films, and then he wanted to like get out of horror. Like he was like interested in making it another type of genre of film, but he couldn't get any financial backing to do anything but horror. So like a few years after that, he made this movie, The Hills Have Eyes, and I think the financiers were like, "Yeah, make something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre." So this is what he came up with here. So that's like a direct tie to that, and then. I mean, that's what I mean by having a kind of a tie to these movies even coming out this year, very year. But yeah, it's kind of like the the clan living by themselves in the middle of nowhere, uh, getting up to crazy shit genre, I guess, would you call it? Right. There's it's like the, the ur-text of the American like horror fable, which is like, there's something outside of town uh, that I have no intention of fucking with. And then X and Pearl are also take place in Texas as well. Yeah. West Texas, no less. The same uh, lonely stretch of desert, you know, west of Houston, that... What am I trying to say? Where Leatherface is from. There we go. Being from uh, Arkansas yourself, have you uh, been out... That's not too far from that neck of the woods, right? Uh, No, to quote Missy Elliott and Beyonce, there's nothing out there for me, but I have uh, driven through West Texas a couple times, yeah. But you didn't run into any any, uh, Leatherfaces slash horny old murderous ladies? No, you know, horny octogenarians, they tend to find me wherever I am, but I didn't uh, didn't hear the bat signal in West Texas, no. Well, I do want to get into these horny octogenarian because it's pretty interesting to talk about. Pretty novel idea, I think, for a slasher villain. But, but back to Hills Have Eyes real quickly. What I was going to get into is spoilers. I was a little surprised by this movie in terms of who lives at the end. Typically in like your... 
people kind of say like Friday the Thirteenth, even though that was after Texas Chainsaw and some of these, right? And this movie, Friday the Thirteenth, I think was three or four years after Hills Have Eyes, but people say that kind of set the template for these slasher films, where like the kind of virginal girl is the sole survivor at the end, usually. Right, right. It creates the final girl trope. Yeah. Final Girl, even if it's not that exactly, it's something similar. Like, I was surprised that, for example, the brother-in-law character, it survives to the end. Yeah. Obviously, he's the one who has a kid. Um, His wife is the mom from E.T., I noticed. Really? Okay. Yeah. D something, D Wallace, I think is her name. And she's the mom also from, she's the mom from E.T. and Gremlins, I believe. So she has quite an interesting career. But she dies, obviously. And then her brother and sister survive. So it's the brother, sister, and brother-in-law of this family are the three survivors. Like, the sister I kind of get would be the one. The baby survives, right? Like, at the end, they're like... And, and the baby, yes, and the baby. So the, the brother-in-law slash father of the baby uh, gets the baby. Because essentially, the girl I mentioned from the beginning, who we find out is the granddaughter of that gas station owner, turns on the clan and saves the baby. <laughs> and then, apparently, I haven't seen the sequel... There's, there is a Hills of Ice 2 that Wes Craven directed also. Apparently it was like a real cash grab in the, the mid-80s. And it was yeah. panned horrifically. Um, so I, don't, I, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, but apparently the Mercury or whatever, the bug guy, they say in that one survived. And he's in that one too. Oh. And this his sister, I guess, has a different name, but she's still around so she's like the main character i guess um, interesting but they have some contrivance to get them back there i don't know do you like this uh, film i know you're more you're not as into the slashers right so i'm not a big slasher head uh i've been making a, a serious effort to watch a lot of the slashers um just because like frankly i'm running out of supernatural horror movies that are any good um and so especially as i like i have to go back in time for my horror movies like slashers are basically all there are right uh, during a certain stretch there they were they were the big shit in hollywood you know the, the 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 slasher formula grows on you right it's like okay how are we gonna kill this guy how are we gonna get this uh, this person alone we're uh classic dungeons and dragons splitting the party why why would you ever do that and now three or four of you have to die it, it, it grows on you some of these kills i mean the special effects you know going back this far 1977 it starts to grate but it's like not nearly as bad as just like I mean Halloween one is an unimpeachable classic, right? But a lot of those kills, it's it's just like Michael Myers stiffly raising the knife yeah. and bringing it down without like bending his elbow and just like I, and just a shrieking teenager in front of him that that falls to the side. It's you know some of these kills are pretty cool. I like the one where the dog was going after what, what, what was that um, Mercury. Yeah, the beast dog, right? The one who yeah. lives, not the one. Yeah, some of these kills are sick. I don't so much like the attempted R-word in the trailer, which is lovingly recreated in the 2006 remake. It's a tough hang. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. It was okay to shoot that stuff, <laughs> and still is, I guess. But, you know, kind of gruesome, kind of unwholesome. It's, I mean, it's what horror is supposed to be, right? Um, and we, we just had news reports of people fleeing the theater, vomiting during Terrifier 2 because the kills were so gruesome. Which, like, if, if you're going to be a slasher, I'm rambling, but if you put yourself in the mindset of 1977 and what special and practical effects were available to them, yeah. you know, this works. It really does, right? Uh, the one thing that I really yeah. wanted to say about this movie is that this could have been the American Godzilla. I mean, why, in terms of the setup, right? 
why are these people out there? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them is that they've been infected by nuclear waste, right? They've been like, this is like America's third or fourth, not original. Obviously, we know what America's original sin is coming back to haunt it, right? And instead, what we get is this tale of like re re revenge from, from on, on behalf of the people in the stranded camper, and they they go give those hillbillies a good what for, you know, which is annoying literarily, but it's a slasher. I mean, get into it. I do think I'll say a couple of things. Well, one thing about the like the dad character, Jupiter or whatever, his father gives that kind of monologue, this gas station guy. I do think it's a pretty interesting concept. Like he's like saying like me and my wife gave birth to like a nice daughter and it was we had a great nuclear family. And then we had a second kid and it like was 20 pounds and came out hairy and was like born evil, basically. Yeah. And he like and has this he has a slash on his face because his dad did that to him. And then threw him in the desert to die, but he didn't die. He found some woman that was passing by, got her, and like created this whole twisted family. It's kind of an interesting concept to me. But also past that, like kind of the themes you're saying, like I think Wes Craven. And we mentioned like Last House on the Left too, and like, I mean he went on to do Scream, and all that's like a kind of parody of these films, right? Like, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street and things like that. He's like very into the kind of family of America being like twisted or like what's really behind it. Because like if you think about it, yeah, you're saying they this RV family from Cleveland or whatever does ultimately win at the end. What to what cost? Like half of them die, you know. Like I was saying, the dad is like this racist guy, and the mom is like so in denial about everything, and like they're like there's this whole religious element to you. Uh-huh. She's like we have to pray on this all this thing. So like he's very uh, looking into what's really behind the American dream or the American culture, I think, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, I can give that to you for sure. And then if we, if we want to start talking about the, uh, about Pearl, that also has the setup of this like American family. In this case, it's a immigrant family, I guess from Germany, right? Sounds that way. Yeah. So Pearl is like a first, is a first generation when you're born and your parents are immigrants. Yeah. Your parents are German. You're the first generation that is American. That's how I understand it. Okay, so this main character, Pearl, is like the first generation Texas. It's Texas, but it has the Kansas vibe of like, there's a lot of clear Wizard of Oz kind of references in this film. Yeah, with the, the, the bright red clothes and shit, yeah. Yeah, and there, she like dances with a scarecrow and all this stuff in the one scene, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, so it has that kind of pastoral setting, but I guess it's supposed to be uh, West Texas. But... This is the second of the of the two films, and apparently, what's going to be a trilogy? I saw on Wikipedia. Oh uh, yeah, they're making a. He's making a third one called Maxine with Max Triple X Maxine. Yeah, um, I believe that goes back to Maxine, the 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 star and final girl, Mia Goth's one of Mia Goth's two characters uh, from X. From X, yeah. So I guess we'll talk X and Pearl kind of here, but X came out I think in back in spring. Uh, and then Pearl came out maybe six, seven weeks ago as we record this. And, and Pearl is the flashback of... Uh, so spoilers all again, but in X, uh, Pearl is the slasher villain, basically, who gets killed at the end. Maxine is the final girl, but they're both played by this actress, Mia Goth. Who, British actress? Is she British? I believe so. Yeah, okay, so phenomenal acting work like uh by her all around no she's insane and it's yeah i guess she'll be playing the same character in the third one yeah so i mean there's a scene in x where she's acting against herself basically as 
So the Maxine character in X is a porn star who wants to be like a real star. That's kind of her thing. Like I'm the greatest, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I, I guess they allude to that. She is really great. Like they kind of go into her scene with a uh, kid. Cuddy is the porn star guy in the, that's in this uh, troupe. Right. So they have like a scene, they start shooting a scene in the movie X and then they obviously don't show like a hardcore scene. Kid Cuddy and Mia Goth didn't really, uh, do uh, you know <laughs> have a hardcore scene in this movie but they cut away and they cut back and it's like and all the other characters right are like saying like oh uh, oh that was so amazing like, right and then the pearl character as the old lady is like looking in the window watching it to you but there's a scene later in the film where the pearl character who's like what 85 years old or whatever crawls into bed with the maxine character and starts molesting her essentially yep and this is both being played by the same actress which is a pretty novel concept i guess yeah i guess we should say um x is the story of an amateur or well like a, a low an indie porn company renting a farmhouse outside of houston texas where they think they're gonna get one over on a an octogenarian uh hillbilly couple and uh, use their use their farm to shoot their porn, um, and the heinous and hilarious murders that ensue when uh, they find out that the completely demented uh, octogenarian woman staying in that house is a sex crazed psychopath murderer. Pearl, of course, is the origin story of that character. And it's like I was saying, it's novel. I mean, it is very novel. X, I I liked X a lot. Like it, yeah. It is a pretty typical slasher. It's elevated, obviously, being you know with the Ty West direction and the cinematography and everything. It's elevated from some of these like '80s slashers, but it, it follows basically the same plotline of those. But it is uh, novel to have like a sexually frustrated old woman as like the, the villain. Like, it's not something I would think of, at least. Like, yeah. Anyway, though, but that being said, Pearl, I wanted to talk about more, because I do think that is the more interesting film overall. Well, and it, it is the more interesting film overall. It's not It's not as, like, gruesome, horrific. It's not as slashery, I want to say, as X, it, to me. What it is, is, um, like, the Rosetto Stone that completely turns just, like, this basic, you know, sex and punishment slasher of X into this really, really tight yarn ball of metaphors. Uh, like it makes the whole thing into like a really literary exercise. Like you could just, you could just pace around smoking several cigarettes and just thinking about the intent there, you know? And, and that happens once you've seen Pearl. Now, did you watch Pearl at home and, and did you pace around smoking your cigarettes? Cause I could picture you. Uh, so I did a Pearl barbarian double feature back in September. And then I did the A24 screening room again last thursday when we did not record on thursday wow all right so obviously you've seen it twice yeah yeah love this movie well i just saw it the once but i will say perk of being uh, unemployed at the moment i told you this already but i watched x you know months after it came out i guess this was probably a month ago at this point just like on streaming at home at like one in the afternoon finished it and i was like you know what let me look up where pearl is pearl playing right now I literally went from watching X at home and just like drove to a movie theater and saw Pearl at like 4.30 showing. So I literally watched these back to back in the same day. Oh yeah. Which I don't know if I've ever done. I don't know what when that could have been replicated, replicated before, like two movies like this, but that I could have done in the past, but I did it for this and it was... You could have done 28 days later, 28 weeks later, you know. 
Okay. Those were, at least those came out like pr years apart at least, not in the same year. If you're wanting to replicate this exact experience, no, I don't think. That's true. <laughs> I don't think two movies this could have ever come out six months apart and been directly related. I guess any sequel I could have done, watch the older one at home. But yeah, so I guess he filmed, Ty West filmed these at the same time, but the second one, Pearl, was like kept secret for the most part. Yes. So uh, I know that Ty West did an interview uh, for a podcast that I listened to. Um, shout out the big picture where he said that he had filmed another film alongside X, but was under NDA not to, it didn't, I mean, it's the creator probably didn't want to either say anything about it until closer to lunchtime. So they definitely like wrote and filmed them together. You said that X was more gruesome, et cetera, but I don't know if I even agree. Like okay. X was more slasher. Yeah. And had like the, the more consistent kills, but pretty bloody, I guess, but. Pearl, to me, was more gruesome in a sense of, like... Or it was more fucked up, at least, at all. Yeah. Like, especially with the very ending, like, the final scene, right? The whole, like, picture... You, so, the spoilers again, but, like, she has this husband, right, that's in, I guess, World War One. This takes place in, what, 1918 or something like that? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think um, so. Like, their, their movies exist. Like, she's gone to this, like, picture house, whatever... It's like silent films. Um, but she has this husband. She doesn't know when he's coming home. And then all this stuff happens. And then the husband does get home from the war. And the, like the scene he walks in on then. I, I love the ending of it. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't sure. The whole time I was thinking, is the husband going to be the guy from her husband from X, right? Yeah. I feel like that couldn't possibly be the case. Uh, I think that guy that comes home at the end of uh, Pearl is her husband and ex, right? Cause she never leaves that farm. Yeah. They have that talk about how like they were so excited to like inherit the farm and start their life together, you know? Um, and she feels like because her dreams have been thwarted that she's been locked into this. And that's what I meant by the way. Um, when I said that like, okay. X is more horrific and slashery because Pearl absolutely makes you root for Pearl. Right. When we, when you watch the Texas chainsaw massacre or, or, or Halloween or, um, you know, anything you don't, you don't root for Freddy. You don't root for Leatherface. You don't root, you know. Uh, but this is really giving you well Pearl's just thwarted, you know, superstar ambitions. It's it's showing you how badly Pearl wants to get out of this, like, horrible family that she's in. Um, and how she doesn't want to live on the farm. How she, you know, interprets herself as so far removed from the the America that she wants to live in that, that, that she's experiencing when she can sneak away to the movie theater and drink her, her mom's latum. <laughs> her dad's that thing. Right. The dad is the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's interpreting that America as a place that she can't reach and wants desperately to get away into as a performer. And when, when she makes that audition and, and, and fails it and her friend gets to go, uh, or her sister-in-law gets to go. Sister-in-law. Yeah. Well, we don't even know if she does get to go. I don't think she does, but Pearl just thinks she does. Gotcha, gotcha. When, when we see that psychotic break that makes her the killer, it's like, we're already, I was already totally in the tank for Pearl, you know? What I would say is, and that, that scene with the sister-in-law is an amazing scene, I think. Like, the scene of the film, like, Pearl, or Mia Goth just gives, like, a ten-minute almost, like, yes. unbroken, like, soliloquy. It's great, but um, I think the movie did something where yeah, you are on Pearl's side for a lot of it, especially with her mom. Like, it's like, the mom is so German and harsh and everything. You're, like, being the American, like, yeah, Pearl should be able to do this. Like, fuck this. She's got to take care of this dad who's, you know, incapacitated, basically, with some illness. 
uh, in a wheelchair, all this stuff. It's, it's the Spanish flu. It's a direct, like, COVID corollary. They clearly work in this COVID style. Like, people are riding masks, all this stuff. Probably. Right. It's, like, peak, I want to go outside. So, it must be 18. 1918 was that, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think it does something where, by the end, though, I was not on Pearl's side. Like, I, I felt bad for the sister-in-law like i wanted the sister-in-law to get away from her at the end which she obviously didn't well i i don't watch these movies rooting for gruesome kills i just want to feel something yeah. you know and what i felt when i was watching this movie it was not run away little girl it was not necessarily rooting for pearl to kill her but i was on pearl's side in that encounter you know it was just like yep you do what you gotta do pearl even i would say i was even it even started for me what with the production projectionist kind of guy who, like, obviously didn't deserve what... No one in this deserved what happened to them. Well, he was kind of sleazy. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, he's the, yeah, the, 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 the first taste of violence. is somewhat more justified than, than the murder of her, you know, father, mother, and sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah. I guess the father, at least, she thought was, like, a mercy killing, whatever. But, um, yeah, this so this guy, this movie projectionist, I guess I just saw... could kind of see myself in him a little bit. Like, I could envision being in this scenario where... Some girl gets in your life somehow, telling it, she's telling her, like, oh, you can do whatever you want. Like, I'm bohemian. You could go do this and that. Why not? Like, I would tell someone that, yeah, you should follow your dreams and do whatever you want. And then, yeah, you sleep with them, do whatever, and you think it's just going to be chill. And then you go to their house, their family house, and see it's like, oh, this is, something's very wrong going on here. And then you try to, like, extricate yourself. You try to just, like, tiptoe out but you can't do it in this case like he tries to leave eventually and obviously she kills him well you're saying you could see yourself in that scenario i mean i could see myself being i don't think that would happen to me but like i could see myself being that type of guy like i don't think he did anything that that wrong really like he maybe he's a little sleazy or whatever like he i could see like and i could picture myself in a situation where like oh this is not what i thought it was like this girl is very you know Something's wrong with her. I need to get out of here, you know. For sure, for sure. Obviously, that's like she's putting too much on this, like, random encounter. And by the way, she's married. Yeah. Th that's definitely true. Because she sees him as, like, her link. Like, a thread she can pull on that could pull her out of the pit of this town, right? She sees him and his bohemian lifestyle and his experience living anywhere else as this lifeline. And when he gets up and he's like... We're not a couple. Uh, I when I said it was Bohemian, it meant that like I don't. I will fuck you, but I don't want to be with you. You know, I I can I get her snapping at that. You know, I guess. But I mean, like I think he would be with her for a while at least like, if he didn't see all these like crazy red flags at the the farmhouse, right? Well, yeah. And I I think she's too. It's like the thing where she's obviously a sociopath and. Like, her mom is telling her, like, you'll do whatever, you'll see. Like, I know, her mom basically says, like, I know you're, like, a bad, I know you're wrong in the head or whatever. And then when the guy's trying to leave, like, she realizes, like, oh, you don't want to be, like, she snaps in the fact that, like, someone's, like, saying, I am wrong because of this, whatever, basically. She doesn't, she's not normal, like, she doesn't understand what being normal is or why that's does she like confess some of her fucked up behavior to him before he leaves i don't think so is that the thing no i don't think she does because in my head he just in my head canon he just gets up and goes right no i mean there's like a lot of red flags like she he sees the 
So the the sister in law and her mom had previously brought this pig over for them. Yep. And her and Pearl's mom was alive at the time and was like, We don't want this, like, no charity, whatever. And it's left on the front porch and then when Pearl kills the parents, like she just leaves the pig there, it's like all rotting. It's part of the scene at the end I'm yep. talking about where it's on the, the table in the center, you know, like a Thanksgiving turkey. She says something about like the mom is still alive, not dead yet, in the basement making noise so the guy hears it right and she says it's a dog yeah yeah yeah. okay and then he says something about what well, your dog and she's like i don't have a dog so like she gets caught in the lie like minutes later you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's what i mean like at that point I'd be walking like, red flag this is this is weird like something's clearly wrong here which it is but yeah i i definitely hear what you're saying uh and pearl's a walking red flagging uh, including the bright red dress that she wears for half the movie yeah 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 for sure but anyway but talking about the filmmaking here like we already alluded to, like it's it's got a lot of influences from classic films like Wizard of Oz, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. other ones, a lot of other ones. Um, but I really loved, like I thought it was pretty great. Um, the kind of pastiche that yeah. put together, and and obviously the performances, especially of Mia Goth, like that soliloquy or whatever you call it that we, we were talking. About. That's where she confesses everything, basically, to the sister. Yeah, we got a real honest-to-God scream queen uh, on our hands. There's, like, yeah. I was trying to think, like, who else it would be, right? There's uh, there's Micah Monroe from uh, It Follows, and she just did two horror movies this year. Chloe Okuno's Watcher and one that just came out a bit ago called, um, I think, Significant Other? I've seen It Follows. I, I like to catch. She gives these understated performances, and, and Mia Goth is just out here. They, it's it's impossible to compare the two, really. But yeah, we 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 got some we got some killer scream queens in this micro generation. I would say is Mia Goth kind of like a anti scream queen because, well, I mean the character Pearl is screaming and yelling, but does like she's not a the Maxine character is not she is the final girl, but she isn't like. She's like pretty in control all the time, and she lives at the end and kills Pearl and all this stuff. Yeah, she's not really screaming and all, you know. And then Pearl's not either. Pearl's like the I know scream queen's just like a term for these, but I think she is like an anti. That's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. But she's a horror twisted. I'm interested to see it. Okay, Killer Queen. There we go. Yeah, she's a she's Freddie Mercury's own Killer Queen. Let them eat cake, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. Something, something laser beam. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. But so Maxine's going to be like in the 80s, I think, right? Like I'm interested to see what that'll be. Probably. I assume it's after the events of X. I'm kind of trying not to spoil anything about it because these two movies were like just such like an otherworldly experience for me. So Now I will say I was kind of getting into this before, but like asking about if the guy, the World War One guy is her husband from X. I do feel like that's a little bit hard to... It's a little past belief. Like, if this guy really came back and saw what happened and that his sister was dead. Well... Father and mother-in-law were dead by his wife. Like, how would she really get... Obviously, it is the same place. Like, they, she, no one arrests her. She's still there, but... Or locks her up or anything. So my reading was that, that her husband comes back. He sees, he sees the mess. And she already has snapped back. Right? She's done her, her fit of violence. She's, you know, exacted her, her retribution on her little social bubble. Shout out to COVID. On her little social bubble. Her Spanish flu bubble. For dashing her dreams, right? And she's, that to me is the, is the point at which she snaps back into good little girl mode. Where she becomes the pearl that, that is, you know, presumably 
docile and like a like a normal you know hillbilly housewife from then until the sex crazed teenagers show up in how many times am I going to say sex crazed in this episode god damn it I am so stupid but when when the when the when the porn company shows up in X right in my head canon she's just she's done with it from then until then and she's like her husband is back and he you know accepts that she has done this violence and accept that there's something genuinely fucked up about her and uh you know wants to fix it or whatever and she she's you know given up her dreams she's done her violence and she's you know just shout out to kate blanchett in lord of the rings i will diminish and go into the west texas okay i did not see that shout out come tied it together yeah, I guess so. I, I just feel like it's hard to believe still, but... Sure. I mean, maybe if his own sister... It's a lot of decades for her to do no violence. Was he so... Was he so... I mean, that's a tough life for this guy. Was he so messed up by what he saw in the trenches that this wasn't even... Like, See? He's like, all right, I'll just deal You're with making it. my argument for me now. Yeah. But also you say, like, she doesn't do anything, but I think I think they left it on the table. Like, they alluded a little bit to, like, some other people had come to the house in X... Like, didn't the husband say, like... He said some line about this wasn't the first time or something. Well... Other people had come by, I think. That's a good point. Why are they, you know, why are they renting out that barn? Do, do Are they bringing people onto the property to murder them? Yeah. And but and I just thought of another uh, film illusion, I think. And, like, another part aspect we didn't talk about at all in both these. There's a damn alligator parole, uh, patrolling, rather... In the back swamp there, that that's convenient to feed uh, feed uh, the the uh, the deceased to. <laughs> um. I was thinking about this. I was talking to actually my mom a couple weeks ago. She's like, "You watch so many horror movies. Does anything even scare you anymore?" And it's like, genuinely, no. Horror movies do not scare me. I'm I'm, I'm watching them, you know, just to feel anything, just to get a little hit of anxiety. But then I thought about it. It was like, no, wait. I, the last time I was truly scared was when I was watching Crawl the two big alligators in the um, basement, in the uh, crawl space. And then I, I remember getting a little hit of that same anxiety the first time Maxine is kind of kicking your feet in the pond and the alligator is clearly coming for her. We get that drone shot. So alligators do still terrify Carl, me. Carl, I think Alejandra Aja film, I believe, the Florida uh, yeah. hurricane. I like that. That's a good movie. But I think the illusion in this is actually from the movie Alligator. Have you seen that? I've not seen that movie. Uh, I did not pick up that reference. I obviously didn't think it was a reference to Crawl, yeah. but I, no, I didn't think it was I a reference to I think it's maybe a little bit of a reference to Alligator, which is a Robert Forster film from, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, I recommend what, that one. It's That takes place in the city, like it's Alligator in the sewers, but like but some of the imagery from that. I would bet that uh, Ty West has seen that film too. But that's just a whole other element that's like, yeah, why not add, this, add an alligator into the slasher film as well? Let's do it. It's de- these are definitely maximalists for sure which i like that especially if you're gonna be like it's 2022 like we've seen all these it's the same formula you might as well go i think you have to go yeah maximalist or minimalist maybe and i guess t- going back to the hills of eyes i guess that's pretty minimalist you would say. i mean it's very the way it's shot is at least very um low budget i think it's it's one one tight knit family versus another tight knit family essentially, and just in one desert setting. Yeah, I will. I mean, contrast those with the with some of the more gruesome giallos. I think they are. I think they are pretty minimalist slashers here uh, here in America in that era. Right. One thing I did want to bring up these 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 two movies like share 
kind of a theme. Where they're... Both of these movies, X, X, X and Pearl and The Hills Have Eyes, are, you know, the hillbillies in, are, you know, objects of derision, right? These movies, just basic, by their basic plot construction, are inserting these hillbillies as something other. Something, they, they, they are asserting the superiority of white bread suburban and exurban, you know, life over these, like, sad little country life. The, the country life that Pearl, like, desperately wants to escape, right? Um, and, and, you know, the hillbillies, they literally give one the unfortunately, uh, the unfortunate accent at the end in, uh, in The Hills Have Eyes. But, like, there's this weird thing going on with these, with movies that do that. These aren't the only two examples, but if you press me right now, you know, I'm, I'm just, like, so deep in this thought that I probably couldn't think of another one. But there's this weird thing going on where, like, yes, you are at, at once asserting, like I said, the superiority of suburban life over, you know, hill folk. I mean, the... The hill folk are gross and ugly and backward and, and stupid a lot of the time, right? And easily outsmarted by at least one person in the group. Someone always gets away. But at the same time, like, if if you, if your characters are so much smarter than these hillbillies, why are you so fucking dead right now? You know, there's this weird, like, if you wanted to get really psych 101 with it, is there something, is there something anxious about, like, why do I not have what it takes to live out there? Do I not... Uh, am I am I worried about my place in the history of in, in the story making of America? Uh, it's something that is, I've just been thinking about while I smoke my cigarettes and think about Pearl. I think it's a couple of things. Like this interesting point you're making, it, it brings to mind a couple of thoughts for me. One is I think it is like to some degree a fantasy of a suburban fantasy of like, what happens if I get trapped in this like desert with these other hillbillies, whatever. Right. I'll be able to kill them and get out of it, like the brother and. I'll be the brother and Hills Have Eyes, you know. Yeah. My whole family gets killed almost, but, like, I, me and my dog escape and get away, you know. I think it's, like, that's, like, part of a fantasy. And then the other thing is, I think it goes back to the brood conversation almost. Like, you're not expecting your kid, like, these weird little kids to come in your your preschool class and start killing people. You're not expecting, you're so caught in your suburban world, like, in your camper van going to the Grand Canyon, whatever. You're not expecting all these crazy hillbillies to come kill you. You're the projectionist bohemian guy at this movie theater in this small town. You're expecting to work there for a couple of weeks, months, move on, mm-hmm. fuck some other broad, you know. And then you're not expecting to go to this farmhouse and get killed, you know. It's all this stuff. Like, you're even you're the mo- Pearl's mom, you're this, and fo- you're her parents, like, you're trying to get push yourself into this American suburban dream, right? Or urban or, uh, you know, country dream, whatever Uh on this farm, not take charity, all this stuff. And you have this daughter all of a sudden that is like a bad seed, you know? And then like, it's, that's part of it. That's like one of the main drives, I think to these kind of slasher horror film, you're trying to fit into this normal society. And then there's this abnormal things coming up against it and then what says is there a larger point of like about being scared about the other and all this stuff probably but i think that's like the psyche that gets into this you know why people like these films mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah anyway i will we'll be wrapping up pretty soon here but uh i was telling you off mike you know i've been watching a lot of uh a lot of horror classics uh yeah it's the season hit me the past couple of weeks i don't know if we want to 
talk about uh, anything else we've been watching. Yeah, let's just do a quick little rundown of things like both of us want to shout out. I mean, it's it's horror season right now. Hopefully, we'll get this out before the thirty first. Um, and if if any of our, I assume, hundreds of thousands of listeners want to, um, you know, add those to their lists for the end of the end of, end run here, you know, or watch them in November, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll still be watching horror movies in November. You know me, but yeah. By the way, Eric, uh, you know I'm a bit of a writer myself. I, I have I do have currently a I don't have a screenplay, but I have a a bit of an outline for a slasher myself mm. that I might nice. I want to work on other stuff, but I keep thinking about this idea that I might I might write it out. But it's actually a Thanksgiving slasher. Okay, you know about Thanksgiving? Not right? a lot of those. Right? There's one. I know Thanksgiving. Okay, I haven't seen that. I shouldn't watch it because I don't want to get influenced. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you, you to keep the brain pure. But I do think that's a good. That could be a good avenue to go to. Like even if there's one, two, three, or whatever, it's definitely not. I think it's fairly untapped. Yep. Versus Halloween, Christmas. It's certainly a market inefficiency. Anyway, enough about about that. But um, yeah, what have, what have you been watching? Have you seen Barbarian? I still have not seen it. It's not, uh, you know, online. Yet? It is online now. Uh, streaming or uh, as of two days ago, it's on HBO Max. Uh, I saw it when I saw Pearl. Oh, okay. I think I had a better time in Barbarian than Pearl, as much as I loved Pearl. Um, Barbarian is not to say that I not to say that I didn't or you couldn't, if you're smart uh, smarter than me, spot you know so many influences. But Barbarian feels uh, sui generis. The less said about it, the better. If you haven't seen Barbarian read nothing about barbarian and go watch it it's on hbo max right now probably the year's best horror movie yeah i don't really know anything about it honestly uh i don't know anything about it and it's on hbo max yeah maybe i'll watch it tomorrow I, i'll watch it ahead of of uh, the 31st at this point for sure i did watch another fairly recent one i think was the black phone i watched yeah yeah ethan Hawke. last week I think that was on Peacock, yeah. HBO Max, but uh, did uh, you've seen that one? Yeah, I saw that when it came out. Um, pretty good, pretty good. I like the whispers. That's a good bit. Yep. I watched 1958's The Blob, which I thought you'd appreciate. I have seen... Uh, no, I have not seen that. I've seen 1988's The Blob, the remake, with, uh, which I actually enjoyed, but I don't think I have seen the original. Yep. Is Steve McQueen in that? He sure is. Young McQueen. All right, I should watch. I should watch that one. What's the highlights there? The highlights are it is a big red alien blob, and Steve McQueen is making faces at it. Okay, well, I I have watched a couple fifties films myself. Though. I watched them, them exclamation point, uh-huh. which is a giant killer ants film. I don't know if you've heard of this. One. I've heard of it. That was uh, some campy fun. Yeah, basically that does take place in New Mexico. Even though they clearly shot it at Joshua Tree, California, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But they say it's in New Mexico because that's where they uh, tested atomic bombs. And that's what creates these giant killer ants. Which, uh, yeah, that was, that was an entertaining watch. And another 50s one I watched just uh, the other day was... I guess this is a horror film. It's a little suspense, horror, drama, I don't know. But uh, a 50s film that actually I think would pair well with pearl because it i even said the term pearl is like a bad seed this is called the bad seed have you heard of this film is that girls on vacation no no it's uh it's a 50s girl like okay nine-year-old girl who is just a complete sociopath basically born bad 
I've not seen that. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. And um, I know you don't love the, the 50s uh, films as much as I do, necessarily. Not as much. But uh, I would recommend watching this one. It's melodramatic, but um, I think it's pretty good. The girl basically is obsessed over not winning a medal at school that her classmate won for best penmanship. Obsessed to the point that basically she murders her classmate that won when he won't give her the medal. We've all been there. At a school picnic. Uh, and then it's the, the movie is the mom, like basically real, her husband at, went away for work for a month and she's by herself with this daughter, like slowly realizing, oh, my daughter's a psychopath, basically. Nice. And has no emotion, like no feeling. And the daughter, like everyone loves the daughter, like the neighbors and everything. The landlord loves her, like saying like she's like, the best child ever, like so well behaved and everything. Anyway, it's it's pretty good, pretty good movie. Nice. Uh, it probably was influential on a lot of other horror type films. Past that, and then I watched also a when you I'm not sure have you seen The Innocents from uh, the early '60s? I didn't know. That's a no, ghost, a ghosty film that. All right, you got to get on this one. It wasn't my favorite overall. I I liked the uh, cinematography and like the direct and like the the look of it a lot, but it it is a ghost story. I guess it's based on the short story called The Turn of the Screw. Oh yeah 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 okay yeah I've seen several versions Which of The Turn of the Screw. Familiar with. So they made they made it before, but this one's called The Innocence from I think sixty one or sixty two. Okay, sick. Co-written by Truman Capote. Uh, so, but I think you would like it even more than me probably so based on your interest in in classic films and it's still horror season have you, you have you seen carnival of souls i sure have I okay sure have. i that's like uh, for the listener if you haven't seen it uh i love carnival of souls it is the freakiest classic horror movie i've ever seen mm-hmm. um it fucking rules uh yeah yeah i would call it pro- like a proto david lynch film almost a little bit like it's a scan it is so Lynchian. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very weird film for what? That's also the same early sixties, I think, right? It's like fifties, sixties, yeah. Fifties, yeah. early sixties. Yeah, that's yeah, dreamlike quality, everything like that. Um, Nineteen sixty-two. Okay, yeah. So right around then, yeah, that's a recommend. Any back to any newer? Have you watched any? Uh, what a barbarian! I need to get on for sure. I feel like there's another one people have been talking about. Uh, I need to see Smile and Terrifier 2. Smile, those yeah. are Those are both out right now. And then VHS 99 dropped. Um, it's disappointed a couple people, but there are, um, like any VHS, there are at least two two uh, entries in, in the anthology that will uh, delight and terrify. Now, I haven't watched any VHS films. Should, is, that, am I a, is that a blind spot for me? Should I be watching these? So, yes. You should definitely watch VHS and VHS 2. Okay. And then if you love three or four of those, like, eight shorts, um, you should watch 94 and 99. Um, up to you whether you want to watch VHS viral, um, which is, of course, uh, cell phone camera footage from 2000. Everything's shot on a cell phone camera, like Tangerine. There's a 94 and 99. Are these based on on Woodstock? What what's with these ninety nine? <laughs> yeah, so the first two uh, the first two are just you know found footage movies or, or, or a series of found footage movies with kind of a mm. a wraparound. 
Um, and then they did one called VHS Viral, which is like 2013. Like I said, Tangerine cell phone camera. Uh-huh, yeah, YouTube style. Found footage movies. Uh, and then they've done 94 and 99, and they're going to have like, I think it's 88 uh, next year. Speaking of Tangerine, Sean Baker should do a horror film. I would be interested to see what he comes up with for so with how naturalistic he yeah yeah performances he gets. Anyway, yeah, I should watch. Uh, does Ty West do any any of the vignettes in any of VHS films? Ty West does the second vignette in um, the second short in the original VHS. All right, yeah, I gotta watch VHS then. Yeah, well, that's a good way to wrap things up. I've got my marching orders. Yeah, you should watch. Go ahead and watch uh, The Innocents and maybe The Bad Seed too. Why not? We'll look forward to Maxine coming out. And uh, what's on the horizon? November, December? What, what should we be? What, what should we be doing? Potting about here? Well, what's on the horizon for me right now is I'm going to go watch 1960s Psycho, rewatch 1960s Psycho, and then watch a horror movie called Psycho Gorman. So if you want to talk about those anytime, uh, I have some Psycho Gorman, by the way. Oh, man, I can't wait. I thought you were going to say, then I'm going to watch Gus Van Sant's 1998 chapter. <laughs> uh, I think I pulled that on you. I think I pulled that on you in conversation sometime. It's a great bit. I'm so happy uh, I did it. Yeah. Yeah, so what's coming up, uh, I need to see, it's already out, but I need to see Stars at Noon, the new Claire Denis movie. You know, I did that little project to think about uh, Claire Denis and some other new French extremists. I still need to watch a Claire Denis film, I think. But yeah, you've been on your French kick, so good for you. Uh, what else is coming up? The Fablemans, that new Springsteen. Uh, white noise uh, that I'll definitely want to see. I don't know if I want to talk about. I do love Noah Baumbach, but I know that you don't. Uh, no, I, well, I don't love him, but I do. I'm ahead and mess with him. Also. Fair enough. Yeah, that's true. I did listen to today earlier to the LCD sound system track from that film. Apparently, nice. That popped up on my Spotify uh, Discover. That was a pretty good song. Yeah, that's coming out soon. All right, well, yeah, maybe... Uh, anything in particular that you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah, I'm on the spot here, and I brought up that question, because I'm not sure. Let me... Not that I would necessarily want to talk about this, but that David O. Russell film came out recently, right? Did that just completely bomb? Or oh, my it... God. <laughs> Apparently, that's complete dog that shit. That had everyone in it? Okay. So, never mind that, then, I guess. Let's... Plus, he's, like, an abuser. It's a whole thing. Allegedly. Yeah, no, he's not a good guy. There's like a whole, yeah, look up on YouTube or wherever, uh, Lily Tomlin cursing him out on the set yeah. of the film. That's pretty funny. Yep. Uh, speaking of abusers, there is a Cheapers Creepers Reborn. Oh, I guess that doesn't have the director. That's the pedophile. Gonna or... have to pass on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, gonna have to pass. Let's see what we got coming up. Oh, weird, the Al Yankovic story. Well, we'll be watching that. I don't know if we need to podcast about it, but... <laughs> why don't we? Why don't maybe, we podcast about we that? Should. Yeah, I don't know. There's Nothing's too much jumping out of me on this, the, the rest of the uh, the slate for the... I mean, the Avatar sequel finally coming out. Are we going to have to do that? I, I am going to watch Avatar The Way of Water. And I, I think, first of all, I'm going to soapbox here for just a second. I think you're out of your mind. You're lying. You're coping. Or you're you're saying this because you're such a Marvel stan and people who don't like Marvel movies like Avatar. You're out of your mind if you think that Avatar wasn't the biggest movie for a reason. 
It's so good. It's so much better than than what we have now. I guess. I mean, I remember I got fan. I got high and went to the theater and saw it. And it, what, it was like a, a thrill ride. Or it, I guess it is how kind of like Scorsese says he's. I he's talking about Marvel in this case, but he says these films are like uh, thrill rides or whatever. Like I enjoyed that aspect of it. I, yeah. I remember the the story being pretty weak. I think, and the the main actor is like a, it's pretty weak. Pretty, it's still uh, a better movie tragic. in every way. Than I'm sure it's any better Marvel than a lot movie. of the Marvel movies. I mean, it's James Cameron. Like he has interesting ideas, and, and it's like he has good things in there. Good things. Oh, Armageddon Times out tomorrow. What is Armageddon Times supposed to be really good? Okay, I'm not sure what that is. Come on, who's directed that? James Gray. Uh, James Gray. Okay. Yeah, all right. Well, we have some options. As usual, though, stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network. Uh, we've got other good... Uh, why do I keep saying good, man? I'm oh, I'm done right now. I have my be- The best word I can come <laughs> up with is good for these things. Uh, we have other great podcast episodes out Check out, uh, if you're an NBA fan, check out our uh, preseason preview. Obviously, the season has started now, but we have our Enam and I have our Western Conference and Eastern Conference preview episodes. And we've got the Small Council podcast back together. By the way, Eric, I know you used to be part of this. Maybe you can get on there again. I know you used to be my hand of uh, the king of the pod. I have been doing uh, some episodes... Uh, with Lord Enam and uh, King Joe Biden. Okay. Where me and King Joe have been. I've been trying to... Basically, the, the canon on on the current Small Council episodes is you forsaken me, I guess, as my hand or my whole old council has. Uh, I've lost my throne. I'm trying to get it back. Okay. And the only way I can do that is with the help of King King Joe. And so far, he's not been very helpful, unfortunately, but... We'll see what happens. If you like improv comedy, uh, and uh, you know, and maybe some slight House of the Dragon references, <laughs> check that one out. But it's, it's all, like three percent House of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and ninety six percent foolishness. Uh, but yeah, check that out on Brooklyn Rebound Network, and uh, check out Drew's views on YouTube, where me and Eric also do some stuff watching little anime and other stuff so anyway that's gonna do it watch a lot of films get these halloween uh spooky movies in your system and everything else and uh we'll be back next time peace if happy Productions.